everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 748. This is being recorded on November 8, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walworth. I'm Brett Vanspermberg. And I'm Kent Burgess, not Ryan Shrout. No, Thank he's God. occupying the same square as Ryan, but... I mean, Ryan's back in the box. He can't replace that same square. I don't know. I would say that Ryan can't replace this square. Look at this. Ryan, I mean, first yeah. of all, he doesn't have the beard. He doesn't have the <laughs> tasteful uh, wall of motherboard and GPU. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have passable audio. <laughs> he doesn't have professional sounding <laughs> audio. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, What's a bit subpar? I'm, I'm sorry. It was room we sounding. We had to let him go. We, we thought, go. I thought. Uh, unfairly, I accused him of uh, having just his laptop mic on. He's like, no, no, I bought a microphone at Best Buy. And it turns out that, that the was microphone was so far away from him that it sounded like the laptop mic anyway. So he wasted his money. He did it. And he was a good sport about it. He did. You can support PC Perspective in this podcast by going to patreon.com slash PC per. We literally couldn't do it without you. And uh, true, you may, notice, you may notice that this podcast uh, does not have a sponsor this week. It's you, you're the sponsor. Uh, Ooh, and thank you, nice Pete. Nice. Pete is a very great guy, and Biff and Ooh. Mark H, which is underlined Mark and in H. bold for some reason, just because I just really wanted to emphasize Mark H. Is that Hamill himself. Marky, it might have been Mark. Might have been Mark Hamill. Loved him in Corvette Summer. Let's move to our next segment, which is, of course, the burger segment. At least I hope it's a burger. Josh ate something. Okay, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. She's just put me on the spot. I, I, I gotta look something up here. I gotta, I gotta check stuff out because you know I post so much during the day. Nice, nice. So there I was, minding my own business, and suddenly, out of Facebook, came not some political post. No, it was something else. It was a post from Born in a Barn. They had a new special. That special is Barry Goats Bruff. Wait, Barry Goats Bruff. Gruff. Barry Goats Gruff. I'm sorry. We started to uh, really hit something there, and then I screwed up. But you know what? Berry Goat's Gruff is uh, their new burger, and this is something I'd never had before. I didn't even know that something like this existed. It is the special. It is a double beef patty, which, you know, you got to start with the double beef patty. But it's topped with goat cheese, pickled onions, and a spicy blueberry sauce yeah that's real blueberries you see it in there it's a sauce it's goat cheese it's pickled onions and it's fantastic i don't i'm not a big fan of blueberry not at all but this is this is great it was it was incredibly filling apparently I, i i told my son about this tonight and he went and ran down and not only ate one, he, he had to order a second. I'm not entirely sure how he does that, but oh my. he weighs like 125 pounds. 
Got a hollow leg? I, I, three? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm double that. And I barely got through one today with fries. Um, but yeah, this is something you would not expect to be as good as it was, but it was, it was really good. Berry Goats Gruff. He got it. Let's move to news. And Intel Arc coverage is back with a vengeance. They are now in Alienware desktops. The Aurora R15, which is celebrated. Well, okay. A celebrated desktop design, beloved by all. Everyone named Steve loves these. As videocards.com points out, you can now buy an Intel Arc A770 equipped R15 for just $1,949. You know, they're smart. They know that if you want Canadian. the best and you're willing to pay for it, you're going to buy, let's see how this is equipped. Not even a Core i9. For your nearly $2,000 investment, you're getting a Core i7 from last generation. So a 13th yeah. gen Core i7. The F variant without graphics. Ooh, okay. You're getting... A non-overclockable as home. well. Yeah, Not just the home pro. version of Windows 11. 16 gigs of RAM, that's it, and it's 4800 DDR5. Yeah. Yeah, but it but it's got but it's got all-in-one cooling and a cool case. Oh sure. It has a 128 millimeter liquid cooler, I'm guessing. Oh, I don't know what that is. No, you, like you can see it through there. Too. It's it's okay. a, it's a double. It's 240. Yeah. yeah. No, there's something up there. Uh, a 750 watt power supply. Oh, and mm. clear side panel is one of the features. Ooh. Oh, well. Yep. I mean, is it tempered glass? I don't they know. took recycled Coke bottles and melted them down flat yeah. and put that on the side. I don't know. That's a really expensive piece of packaging for an ARC A770. Yeah. You know, there are some yeah. people who really like Alienware. So It's true. Bottoms up. But I feel like those are the people who liked it before Dell bought it. Or yes. maybe shortly thereafter. These new systems are just trash. It's like a, an ugly... Cheap looking case. Looks like something you'd get on AliExpress for forty dollars, and uh, subpar components, a weak power supply, and it's two thousand dollars. Did I read these were the A seven seventy LEs as well? That's what they were speculating Still? about. They said it's unclear mm. if Dell is using the limited editions because those were discontinued. But I mean, th- it does say it's a sixteen them. gigabyte model, so. Yeah, but the other companies had 16 gigabyte models. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. exciting. Mm. This is the mm-hmm. this is the state of the hobby. This is, is this is this is the the foot in the door into the OEM and they're just the sky's the limit. Cuz Intel has never been in the OEM market ever. No. Next in news, a story from a non-tech, and it's been reported around everywhere, that AMD is winding down support for Polaris and Vega GPUs. They're going into oh, retirement. no. 5,000, 6,000 series stuff. It's been out long enough that I guess it makes sense to, you know, they only have so much. These uh, were great resources. cards for Linux. These are great cards for Linux. I wonder yeah. if they'll continue to be supported. Well, anyway. and as much as they ever have been. It was easier to support these cards you know the 570 580 even the 590 and especially the vegas um or the polaris um all the polaris ones seem to work really well under linux a lot easier than the nvidia cards did so maybe because they were freer with the driver code don't know yeah 
Hope that continues. My concern would just be for people who are relying on integrated graphics for any APU that uses Vega or any laptop mm-hmm. because didn't Intel were... have that one cross yes thing? What was that called? Hades that they Canyon supported for about a year and a half, and then they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, "You got no more driver support for this. Yeah, we're done." Yeah. That was back when Raja was still at AMD, and he went over and he, you know, he worked closely with Intel and helped develop that product that had AMD graphics on an Intel chip. And then he went mm-hmm. to Intel. Oddly enough, after that, all went downhill. Starfield doesn't support, still doesn't support ultra wide. How many days? How many days are we in? Uh, Day forty-seven. Okay. Starfield doesn't support ultra wide monitors. <laughs> but they support but, something else. Yeah, they add DLSS, which makes you ask the question of what is it for? Because, I mean, honestly, if you got a decent GPU, you could still do it at 4K without DLSS. So, you know, you, you put them together, you know, release the ultra wide and the DLSS at the same time, and it would be sensible. But hey, I mean, you're halfway there. So you can't complain too much. At least you're halfway there. And, uh, you know, this, this AMD title is now uh, a little bit more inclusive, shall we say. Okay. And by the way, for those listening, or anybody really, who doesn't understand that Jeremy did a very uh, seamless transition to our next news story. We're talking about the Starfield beta or beta, depending on your preference, update 1.8.83, really? which came out today. Their Steam beta is now available for you to opt in and it allows you to uh, have DLSS support among other things. So DLSS is uh, number one on the update highlights list. And the modding community had DLSS patches up within a week of the game's release. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, on the PC, it says it improved the renderer threading model, improving CPU usage, most notably on higher-end systems. Hmm. Well, good then. And added some GPU performance optimizations, will, which will be more impactful on higher-end cards. So the game Starfield is- had a great way of chewing up a lot of spare cycles without doing anything, so good for True. them. It's getting closer to completion. I know it's officially been released and people can buy it, but the game is almost done this point almost <laughs> they're getting almost. they're getting dlss think, out the door they're optimizing thank you for pc we're gonna get an hd version in five years yeah. so that was that story and uh via google translate this is a computer-based article mac studio with m2 ultra in the test windows gaming with game porting toolkit on the mac the only reason i mentioned this no, we talked about Apple stuff a lot last week with the M3 launch, but I feel like this is just another example of how we're getting to this point where the platform doesn't matter as much as it used to. Because hardware is powerful enough and software can be written to leverage it. And now you can game on Linux with almost complete compatibility across most titles. The Steam Deck has driven a lot of interest in gaming beyond Windows. Now there's this game porting toolkit on the Mac that seems to be quite similar to Proton. So you're saying that platform agnostic is going to become a buzzword again. I hope well, so. With an underlying layer like Proton supporting it. I don't know if anybody well, yeah. has tried gaming on Linux lately, but it's actually 
<laughs> pretty good. Yeah. It's not that bad. You don't you don't find too many issues. Occasionally, you got to do some CLI diving and some log fixing, kernel you know patching and stuff like that. But it's rare. It's more rare than it ever was. I've been reading a little recently about a uh, Chimera OS, which is essentially it's an Arch Linux distro that's mm-hmm. based on the OS that's in the the Steam decks. Um, but there's just a team of guys working on it to support more standard PC hardware. Um, it doesn't support NVIDIA or, or ARC cards at the moment, uh, so it'll only support uh, AMD cards. But yeah, so it's you know uh, it's a Linux distro that basically uses the the Steam, the old Steam OS. Um, so. You know, that's pretty interesting if you just want to build a gaming machine. Um, it, it, it's an interesting looking future where we might be able to say at some point, uh, goodbye Windows, which, you know, that's a good thing. At least Microsoft still has Teams, which seems to have become the default way that everybody works. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, even that uh, chat application you've never used on Windows 11 is dying and being replaced with Teams. Yeah, Teams will save Microsoft. Uh, so then this computer-based article, they actually did some game testing after they used that toolkit to port over a game. Here's Rise of the Tomb Raider. This is full HD, very high preset. And macOS native... I thought they had uh, demoed an, uh, oh, that Rise of the I Tomb Raider. So okay, no, you're the, right. There is the a macOS version of Rise of the Tomb Raider, isn't there? Yeah, okay. I thought so. So the macOS native version of this game was giving them 262.7 frames per second on average. The Windows version, DX11, via the game porting toolkit, got them only 137. And the DX12 version via game porting toolkit was 127. So both very playable, but room for improvement, clearly. Yes, that was in Mountain Peaks, though in Geothermal Valley, the Windows DX12 version via the game porting toolkit had the same performance, essentially, as the macOS native version. It was actually a, hmm. six frames ahead. That's one game. Oh, Cyberpunk. This is a 680 by 480, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> full HD. 640 by 480. Yeah. Full HD, I, I assume, yeah. means oh, okay. 1080. Well, 1080. it doesn't say. Now, the Cyberpunk 2077, for some reason, they they didn't have um, charts. They got, I, guess, I guess they ran out of time and just have screenshots <laughs> of the completed benchmark runs. Okay, 1080p. This is a wall of text. Wall of text for those listening. Yeah. Nine. They gave up at that point. But I guess the point is, it's possible, even if performance isn't very good, ah, to run Windows games, even on an M series Mac, which is, of course, ARM based. Josh is gone. He just left. I just noticed. He that. also gave up. Yeah. He's done with yeah, that story. He's done. No, I need to do <laughs> I love it when he walks back in and sees that he is full screen on the monitor no no like, no why no why, why? Are you muted why do you You're torture muted, me you muted why do you torture me so muted. he's not talking great i'm muted i i, I said i i did the ferris bueller <laughs> it's like you're yeah. still here what are you doing here what? just go home leave go away 
All right. Uh, the real reason I had that Apple story was just as a precursor for what I wanted to talk about, which was imagination technologies. They're no back. Way. I know they never went away, but no, but there's a new product, the IMG DXD seventy two dash two three zero four MC two. Oh, it just rolls right off the tongue. It is their DXD graphics processor with support for DirectX baked right in. Didn't Imagination buy up uh, the BitBoy's Oi stuff back in yeah, the day? Yeah, I think we talked about that a few months ago. Months. And now Ooh, Imagination has DirectX nice. support with its combined support for Vulkan 1.3, OpenGL 4.6, OpenGL ES 3.2, OpenCL 3.0, and DirectX 11 underscore zero. They have hardware-based support for the API coverage to run popular PC games as well as other Windows-based applications and mobile titles. They're going to use your voiceover at the next con, so good job. They also have hyperlane virtualization. That sounds a lot like hypertransport technology, but... Shush. Okay. Hyperloop. Mm. <laughs> sounds pretty risky to me. Yeah, um, I tell you, they, they've been nice. around for a while, and it's uh, interesting that... Uh, they're still releasing stuff. I mean, they had that uh, they had that licensing agreement with Intel for ages that Intel's integrated graphics utilized imagination technologies technology. And uh, the uh, the phone, the Windows phone, which used the Intel Atom, was powered by imagination licensed core. So, yeah, it. Uh, it's nice that they're still around. For a while there, they they were kind of a, a big deal, and they even got into other things like speakers, the Scirocco speakers, which were apparently quite good and never was able to get a hold of because David Harold just didn't like me for some reason, or either that or I just had too small of a sight, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they they've had their they've 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 you know had their highs and lows. And uh, it's nice to see that they're still working because they've got some good engineers and uh, they have a lot of IP that they can lean upon. And uh, yeah, it, it, it would be interesting to see if, if they can do something with it. So the performance uh, is on the screen. They're claiming uh, 4,608 FP32 flops per clock. Which, of course, uh, doubles at FP16, half precision. We talk about uh, full and half precision a lot on this show. Or no, we don't. We talk about <coughs> double precision for some reason. We do. We do. Double we precision, F which, of course, is FP very important 64. for DX11 gaming. And our next story, ARM <laughs> has grabbed a slice of Raspberry Pi, which makes sense. I mean, Raspberry Pi, obviously, Clever. wildly popular. Clever. Clever headline by Jeremy. Clever move. You're welcome by arm to say hey we should probably invest in this whole raspberry pi foundation thing because well it's, it's driving it wasn't risky at all of people uh, to uh arm development because like i just mentioned and as i put as the the picture uh risk v summit's kicking off next week and the raspi is looking for cheap open source chips to help run the their next generation of uh, products which they literally cannot keep up with demand. I mean, on the one hand, it does really suck that industry has really loved these things as edge devices for us. 
on the flip side, it's wonderful for Raspi because they've got guaranteed customers buying in large volumes. But I mean, anyone that's tried to grab a Pi 5 has sort of realized that, yeah, this has a significant impact on us. So being able to produce more for cheaper is something Raspi is really looking forward to. Uh, and so it makes sense that ARM would, you know, get in on the uh, board meetings and grab a, a minority stake to be able to sort of keep them running arm. So it, it does make sense and it, it's taken this long to do it, but I have a feeling that I might be right about this whole guess about the risk V architecture coming. Uh, you know, how long have we been waiting for this to actually sort of take off? It's been a while. We, 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 we almost missed that commentator that I uh, used to comment in all of the articles that had nothing to do with risk architecture, but would really like to explain to us how it was going to take over everything. Or was that power nine? That was, that was power technology. Oh, that was power. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. It's and, been, uh, been a while. Yeah. How, yeah. That guy was weird. Yeah. But uh, risk five uh, laid off a bunch of people. Same yeah. with the uh, SI five, Silicon five, SI yeah, they're all hurting right now. Uh, it's it's hard to uh, do an open source type thing and make money. Uh, I mean, you you've got to come money from somewhere. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with the architecture. It it's extensible. Um, guys use it all around. Uh, Western Digital hmm? makes their own controllers using Risk Five. Um, so yeah, it's a fantastic technology and it's great, but I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to stay afloat and advance the technology, um, when you have kind of a more open source, uh, type of, uh, business model, which, you know, it's great if you can do it, but it's, it's just tougher and arm has a huge, um, advantage in being on the ground in the late eighties, early nineties with their initial products and then getting into the iPhone in 2007, which essentially lost launched them into the stratosphere of uh, licensable IP for uh, CPUs. So yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it is smart of arm to get in with the raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi is, is really, one one of the first programming tools that yeah. people who are doing it for a hobby. I mean, here's this inexpensive board for less than 150 bucks. You can do all kinds of things. It's got memory. It's got graphics. It's got a CPU. Um, it's got, you know, IO that is, you know, reasonable. And it's all in this just little package for not mm-hmm. a whole lot of money. And uh, people get it. They learn how to do it. They get on forums. They read up on stuff, and then they do experiments because they want some LED thing on their wall that they want to control. And so they learn about controllers and and USB and and how it handles on on a you know on Linux kernel uh, on the Raspberry Pi. And it's just you know when people go off to school and go off to jobs. They lean upon what they know to do Python, the work that they're asked to. Oh God, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's smart to get in to in the education and and Raspberry Pi 
is, you know, it's exposing people yep. to ARM 64. Well, ARM V9 now. Yes. And phones. I think phones also expose people to ARM every day. Yeah. Uh, well, there's ago. well over 200 billion ARM processors on the working on the planet right now. So, yeah. You might not know it, but you're working with ARM. It's finally outstripped the number of Commodore 64s there are, so good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a sad thing. A lot of those don't even work yeah. anymore, or were thrown away. Mm, true. Rotting yep, in true. some landfill. Mm-hmm. Rotting. Rotting forever. I remember I a few weeks ago, Brett had a uh, wonderful statement about how only a Linux user would be upset that a Linux distro is now used by over half the computers on the planet, but since it's Android, they're disowning it. Yes, that's this true. Is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it has to be We've the right won. flavor of uh, Linux. <laughs> that's that's why you're a diehard like Arc, you're Arc Linux fan, aren't you? <laughs> I thought it was you're pronounced Arch. Arch. Uh, it's pronounced Arch. It's Arch Linux. I know. I did that on purpose. Our next story comes from Tom's Hardware and Intel. Hopefully this is a, a positive move. They've killed off something, but it's their cryo-cooling technology. Maybe they're finally to the point where this madness will end. The CPUs that pull as much power as a graphics card, maybe, just maybe, with the next uh, architecture. That's yeah. It's going to be a thing of the past. I don't know. This seems That just says that your me. graphics card's not pulling enough power. <laughs> <laughs> if you need cryo cooling for your CPU, you must be running an i9. I mean, this this was sort of a marketing name, but it was actually a legitimate sub ambient cooling technology. I mean, imagine if you will, you're a CPU manufacturer purveyor that's just creating products that suck down more and more power and need to to somehow radiate more and more and more waste heat. This just seemed like a viable way to do it. Subambient cooling, I think, is a is something that so many people strive for when they're using as much radiator fins as they want. They can never get there, of course, uh, not really. Uh, but this was a viable way to do it. I'm really surprised that there was so little uptake. Now they did try and tie it in with well, firmware, what? hardware bits, uh, some motherboard support. I'm sorry to see it go. Honestly, 13th gen will be the last, so 10th through the 13th. You say that, but like Cooler Master and EKWB like totally made uh, all-in-one coolers based on this, right? So it's not just that Intel's discontinuing it. They're kind of screwing over the partners that they had. You're right about that. You're right. Yeah, this article points out that while not many vendors jumped into the cryo-cooling hype train... Cooler Master released its Master Liquid ML360 Sub-Zero. EKWB had their EK Quantum X Delta T. It was supposed to be a whole ecosystem. It never happened, though. Yeah, now, admittedly, they did discontinue this back in July, but it's sort of news now because they continued sort of supporting it until the end of the year. So there are a few articles that are coming out on this now. I'm surprised that there weren't more third parties getting onto this. I mean, don't we all come to the table with everything so damn hot? You know, we want to find a way to cool it. Subambient seemed to be, you know, without having to use exotic cooling. This just seemed very attainable, and I'm disappointed to see it go. Yeah, but it's, it's... power it's it's okay i'm gonna double the power into my system to cool it to yeah, sub-ambient. I, was it really was it really yeah it, it draws I, a I tremendous amount oh yeah 
Yeah, it draws a okay. tremendous amount of power to cool the systems. Um, and th for that reason, they had like two settings on it. One was just like for general use that drew a small amount of power. And it kept the chips mm -hmm. nice and cool. Um, but people that were spending that kind of money didn't want nice and cool. They wanted something that was extreme. And when you wanted to really keep the temperatures, like you say, sub-ambient while it's under load, you're pumping three or 400 watts into the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, piezoelectric cooler. Um, so it's like two GPUs. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're cooling because over you have to put watts, enough power TDPs. in that is <laughs> being dissipated. To do that effectively with with yes. piezo electric cooler. How does this just, how does yes. this equation balance? And because but, uh, it's not one hundred percent effective. You got to bring in more power than is actually yeah. being produced. Yeah, more power. Uh, there was. Do you a remember hack done, the, of course, by uh, sorry, Jeremy or Josh? Go ahead. Do Do you remember the first phase change cooling uh, oh, around boy. the Athlon area where yeah. they were able to take the Athlon to one gigahertz? I mean that was that was a uh, I think that was by itself just an eighty watt phase change cooling system Something and like I got that. it down to minus forty C or minus forty mm -hmm. F because that's where same you know, same those things cross over um, but yeah you would turn it on it would start the cooling thing it would take that cooling pad down to forty C minus forty C. And then start up the machine at one gigahertz. And yep. even that was okay. If you've ever seen the cases for that, I mean, it was, it was like a mini fridge. Uh, yeah. And, and, but it was at least designed for constant cooling, not like a mini fridge, which was like, you know, we're going to get it down to a temperature and then on, off, on, off, and, and do that. Um, this could actually handle you know, a constant state. And I can't remember the company who did it because this was back in 2000. No, I'm looking, I'm um, trying to find it. Yeah. But, uh, it wasn't the phenomenic. but it was, it was, it was a, it was a phase change cooling system that, you know, was kind of loud and you had the whole vacuum cooling chamber on top of the machine and insulated hoses and everything. And it, and it worked, but, Gosh, it was not inexpensive, and it was loud, and yeah, it was. There's a reason why it died. The Kit Guru review for the Cooler Master ML360 Sub Zero, which they called a pretty weird toy, created by Cooler Master and Intel to demonstrate the potential benefits and use cases of TEC hardware and Intel's cryo cooling technology. It had a 340 pound price tag. Poor compatibility, noticeable noise levels, and potentially extreme power draw under heavy load conditions. So, uh, yeah. What's not to love? Let's move to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. It is, of course, Security Corner and where else but bleeping computer do we find our first story. Microsoft drops SMB1 firewall rules in new Windows 11 build. See? Good news. Good news for a change. God, that's great. SMB one is. Uh, uh. 
you're not going to be able to use SMB1 anymore, even if you still are, because you shouldn't be. And this will uh, remove everything up to and including like spooler service ports. It's, it's not going to work. So that one application you got that you just, ref they refuse to update on you. Well, it won't be a problem anymore because uh, SMB1 is going away. Really, that's it. That's and a rousing beginning to the, the segment. It's good. Uh, it gets worse. Let's from find here. story number two here. Let's see. Well, if you like to obfuscate your Python code, well, we got some uh, bad news for you. Okay. Next up, story from Ars Technica. Highly invasive backdoor snuck or sneaked into open source packages targets developers. Yep. Once again, uh, you, you want to update your Pi, and uh, hey, there's a lot of legitimate obfuscation tools out there that developers use to sort of stop you from being able to grab their code and recreate it on their own. Because, you know, I, hate, I mean, hey. I hate it when the hackers jump around on stage, run in circles, and start yelling, developers, developers, developers. It's true. I hate it. I haven't seen that in a while, though, thankfully. So yeah, there, there's now eight separate tools uh, on uh, the, the Pi repository, which are all full of hidden payloads. And, uh, you know, essentially you, you've downloaded this thing to obfuscate your code so that people can't immediately grab it unless you want them to. And the next thing you know, you're getting your password stolen from Chrome. There's a key logger on your system. Uh, someone's recording screen and audio and grabbing screenshots. Uh, they can actually do something really nasty, uh, which is inject a Python script that ramps up CPU usage uselessly, but will kill your PC. Like you will hit a BSOD or uh, a current kernel panic in no time at all, because this thing just is a batch file that cranks up your CPU usage. Uh, It'll happily encrypt files. Essentially, you know, the list of whatever it is you don't want to happen on your machine will happen if you install one of these. Thankfully, it was only installed just over 2,000 times, so it was caught relatively quickly. But still, by of F good, you just tell it to F off because it's it's not good at all. Uh, the story has a list of all of eight of them, but they're all P-O-O-B or P-Y-O-B something. So yeah, be careful when you're obfuscating your code or you know, it's Python, just let everyone have it. That would also sort of uh, solve things. But sometimes you don't want to. Next, the Hacker News reports QNAP releases patch for two critical flaws threatening your NAS devices. If you have a QNAP NAS, this could affect you. The story is from two days ago. Security updates, which I'm sure you can just how, download how, directly from. How dare they to your NAS. look at my NAS? <laughs> yeah, just take your take your vulnerable NAS online and uh, <laughs> update it Close using their handy software NAS. tools. To everyone walking by. The shortcoming, it says in the article, spans the <laughs> below versions, and there's a list. I recommend going to uh, the oh, internet quite a list. and searching for this so I don't have to read QTS5.0.x 
fixed in QTS 5.0.1.2376 build. If you're, if you're running a mid 4.2.5, then you're vulnerable. Okay. So it's a vulnerability score of 9.8. So it's not a 10. Yeah. Don't get it's too good, excited. Though. It's good. Yeah. There's another one it's that's definitely a 9.0. Remote codable. You know, they gain control of your of your QNAP NAS, which you probably don't want. Stealing all your movies, you know, your public domain you, movies. I mean, it's not like you don't they don't already that. have them. In I'm the sorry, public domain. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. silent era films, your um, open Linux source distros, yeah. uh, like, software. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The code you try to obfuscate in Python. Yeah, it, it's all horrible. Yeah. Finally, in security corner, oh, hey. Atlassian. Remember them? Atlassian. Didn't they no. have HipChat? They have other services, I'm sure. Uh, they have reassessed the severity rating of the recent improper authorization vulnerability in Confluence Data Center and Server, raising the CVSS score from 9.1 to the maximum 10. Finally, another 10. 10 out of 10. Yep. Here they thought only your data could be stolen. No, no. If somebody oh, wedges no. your system this way, they can reset your Confluence installation and grant themselves full remote administrative rights. So yeah, this is a nice, perfect 10. You guys want to, might want to go shut this off or at least pay attention to their mitigation strategies and uh, go fix this one. Cause the best part is they reset it. So you can't get back in to fix it. Oh yeah. You're done. You're done. You're toast. Yeah. I, I think, and I the, believe a uh, a survey was done to see like how many out there were vulnerable. It's many, um, so check with your organization if you're running this. Are, are you sure that's a ten? Because this looks like a fitting place for the Nigel Tufnell meme of uh, these go to eleven. <laughs> yeah, this one might go to eleven. Well, but, but it's still just 11. as loud as a ten. You just put eleven on there. But it's 11. But we have one more. We have one more. One Bigger more. number, better. Oscar to 11. As uh, Steve Perk says. Steve. It's time for Gaming Quick Hits. N7 Day brings a Mass Effect 5 Epsilon trailer. Writes Jeremy Hellstrom at PCPer.com. Of course, he's referencing Rock, Picker's, Rock Paper Shotgun here. It's very mysterious. N7 Day. Explain that. What is N7? Yeah, what is okay, N7 Okay, uh, can you day? go back up to that picture? Yeah. Is that an N7 GIMP? Yes. Okay. Female one. I, but I, honestly, I was behind a, sleeping. I was behind a truck that had I was behind a truck the other day that had N7 written on the tailgate and the license plate also was phonetically spelling N7. Coincidence? Yeah, Ma- Mass Effect I think, fans I think are a little bit much. Ah. I mean, that's why I went with this cuz I mean, I played two of the four games. And it was, yeah, okay. This was relatively enjoyable. And apparently I did something weird because Shepard lived in the end. Uh, but, you know, Mass Spoiler Effect alert. Came out. Spoilers. Oh, mm. please. How long? How, how old is this game? <laughs> I, I didn't know that, but whatever. It's, it's, uh, now it's ruined for me forever, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. If, you, if you're a little bit violent, you can uh, actually get... But then the other one came out, which I had no interest in. I mean, maybe it's gotten better, but everyone panned it. Uh, Andromeda? Yeah, so, yes, that would be the one. 
Andromeda. So this is the entire trailer. Is 30 seconds of a shadowy form walking down a hallway. And, oh, look, it's a blustery day outside. I turn around with an N7 designation. I pull out my gun. And, well, look at the hips. It's definitely female. It's femshep. And that's it. You're done. So that tells you pretty much nothing. Apart from the guy in Andromeda, apparently was a not really an N7 person. So maybe it's back in the original galaxy. Maybe it's a mix of the two. We don't know. And BioWare ain't telling. But don't worry, by uh, 2035 or so, we might see it. Maybe not. You know, maybe, I, maybe I do so. have the enhanced edition of the first three, and I still haven't played. I, I've done 15 minutes in the very first one. Yeah, I never even touched that one. Hmm. I did two and three. Oh, okay. Sticking okay. with Rock, Paper, Shotgun, okay. the next story. This is great. Five years <laughs> after launching to take on Steam, the Epic Game Store has yet to make a penny of profit. Ouch. And today, you can get Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion for free, with Golden Light Free coming up soon. So they are still giving away free games, even though they have literally not made a cent since they launched with exclusive titles and we're going to take down steam because they paid their developers slightly more speaking of cents isn't 10 cent an investor 10 cent is an investor in epic yeah they so they're, they're getting indeed. funding it's just that they haven't actually turned that corner yet so but, yeah but to epic a is deal, still, it's a sweeney deal they're, they're they're still licensing out their their engine to yeah. great acclaim so yes. yes they have the engine and they have Fortnite. so i mean what else do you need well uh, apparently, well, apparently they also too. need alan alan wake 2 is something else you know they needed exclusively yep. so yeah but paying did for i read exclusive. that correctly that assassin's creed mirage is an exclusive to epic game store goodbye goodbye yeah yeah that's very strange that if that was an exclusive anywhere, it would not be to uh, um, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, uh, whatever they've really renamed yeah. their launcher uh, for the fourth time. Ubisoft so, uh, Connect. Crapware. Yes. No, all right, Connect, not Crapware. Yeah. I knew it started with a C. <laughs> yeah. That's now Epic has recently put their their legal troubles with Apple sort of behind them and I, they didn't win I, they they kind of mostly lost so they've they've said okay that was not a very good strategy what do we do now google we're going to go after google so now epic is going after google's and oh they decided store. to do that yeah yeah they did they're, no they're i heard rumors but i didn't think they oh my yeah, as far as I know, yeah. Now I've I've read a little bit of kind of like the quote unquote leg they have to stand on here, and there might be a little bit more to it than with Apple. So they may get something out of this. So they might try and offset all those losses with just one perfect win in yeah. in the legal system against Google. How they're going to do that with Could their happen. foot in their mouth and their head up? Their uh, I'm not quite sure, but at least they're flexible. 
By the way, mm-hmm. can you know Jara... what? I, I I hate to say this, okay, but Epic's kind of fighting the good fight against Apple and Google because they got strangleholds on stuff. Yeah, and I I think he's doing the things for the right reasons, just maybe not doing it as smart as he could have. But you know, I like Tim. Kind of like what he's doing. And, and you know, some of these things need to be addressed because developers are kind of taking it hard in from the, uh, from Google and Apple and uh, Microsoft you know, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, the, there are some, you know, skeevy things going on, but, you know, he sees uh, he is kind of standing up for little guys because Epic was a little guy at one time, and uh, he put his money where his mouth is. I mean, they they got hit and uh, lost a lot of it, but you know, at least you tried. Oh Lord, it's hard to be a developer when you're pinpricked yep. in every way. <laughs> now we were primarily talking about. We're just going to lob thirty percent off the top. The PC yeah. to us. The PC. So they're they're. Competition on the PC is either the myriad game launchers like Ubisoft, which apparently Kinjar in our YouTube chat said that that game was exclusive to Epic Game Store as far as game stores go. It wasn't on Steam, but it is also available from Ubisoft directly. Okay, that, that makes more sense. Yeah. So. Now, Goat Simulator 3, that was exclusively Epic when it came out. <laughs> Paying for exclusives... Uh, Seems not to have paid off as far as uh, making any money for the company, but they certainly mm-hmm. get people to download the Epic mm-hmm. Game Launcher, which is still not a great piece of software. Let's be honest. No, I don't think it's as slow. I mean, as really, some of they the comparisons I've seen, but it's not great. I mean, without Fortnite, where would they be on the PC or just in general? In general, I mean. They would have. They would they, be, a, they'd be smaller. Yeah, they but have, they well, still their be game there. engine. Yeah, they they would have the game engine, which is big. Uh, but this yeah. is true. I feel like this is just. Uh, this is Tim who wants to make inroads and be a big competitor to Steam, and it's a similar. It's the same business model essentially, but with different terms. Yes. But and he came in late, and uh, he he's not quite as ruthless as Gabe seems to be. No. No. The money play doesn't Someone, work long-term. Look what happened with Windows Phone. We talked about Windows Phone a week or two ago. They paid developers money to make versions of their software for Windows Phone because there were so many complaints yeah, but, about it. I mean, not it was abandoned. That would have helped. It was abandoned. But they but, didn't yeah. keep paying them to keep making exactly. better versions and exactly. to keep their yeah. apps updated. They just said, make us a version, and they did. And Yeah, here's version 1.0. Oh, by the way, I need all these things to do for version 1.1. Yeah, no, we're good. We're no, good. We're well, just then pay us for version 1.1, the same rate you paid us for do version you, 1.0. Do you remember when IE came to the Mac? Yeah. That's the same issue. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same. Same thing happened there. I came to the Mac as part of the uh, the well, big payments. In, yeah, because yes. Apple got a big infusion of cash from 
Microsoft, and yes. then suddenly Internet Explorer was the default browser on all Mac. You know, it's, well, it's too bad escape unless it is phone number because people would actually call him every once in a while and he'd answer. Yeah. Not anymore. Come on, Gabe. No, you, Come back to us. Come back to us. Now you even have to be in the know to know where the Steam offices are down in Bellevue. All right. Uh, finally, in gaming quick hit, StarCraft could return, according to Blizzard president, but not necessarily as an RTS. What, are they going to make well, a, is it going to be an MMO? No, no. Well, you never know. Unfortunately, this is a bit of a bit clickbaity, in my opinion. Oh, but it, it's a legitimate story out there that it's possible that uh, StarCraft could see a return um, with the recent uh, Coming to Microsoft. Your phone. <laughs> with, with the yes. recent Microsoft addition, uh, or I should say, you know, coming under the umbrella, Phil Spencer was there, and he did happen to mention um, the legacy of StarCraft, and and that it's you know they still own it, and there's that would be something they would still consider. But there was some, um, there was a Blizzard. Uh, I, I'm not sure who it was. Uh, rep- did an interview, and he talked a little bit about StarCraft, and the way that it works inside Blizzard is that. Um, if there's a, uh, a a group or, or an even an individual to champion bringing um, a product, you know, game based to market and, and as a particular uh, genre, be that RTS or shooter or even if it's like a checkerboard, you know, kind of thing, whatever. If somebody has a concept that they can sell to management, they're going to get backing. And that's pretty much what he said, that if somebody inside the company, one of their groups says, hey, we want to do a StarCraft and this is how we want to do it. They might get backing. So the point, the headline that it might not be an RTS, that's kind of what they're referring to. Although oh, so for me, StarCraft Ghost. Being, uh, yeah. The, some, they dug up the like code that. from StarCraft Ghost and yeah, they're going to re- I don't know. do it. It really just, it's, it's such a, it was a, such a groundbreaking game and it was one I really enjoyed, especially StarCraft 1. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I would warm to something that really didn't pay homage, uh, homage to the original as an rts so no it's gonna be a phone game it'll be pay to play phone phone game pay to play free to play clash of clans you know it'll be clash of clans it'll be called clash uh star starcraft starcraft clash star crash yeah you can uh, either spend ten thousand hours on it to upgrade your player or you can just quickly drop us a couple of bucks and we'll give you the next tier Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you'll get you'll get colored armor you know, for your guys mm. with mm-hmm. a logo that you can upload. Yes, and that concludes gaming quick hits. Uh, time for picks of the week. Josh, are Ooh. you ready? Not only am I ready, but I'm here. Are you will? Okay, so I'm 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 kind of a big rally fan of actually driving and. EA Sports, which bought Codemasters, and Codemasters were the guys who developed the Colin McRae uh, uh, rally uh, titles back in the early 2000s. And, and Rocks Inside. Rocks Inside. Rocks Inside. Rocks Inside. Rocks Inside. Yes, and uh, then they turned that into Dirt, and then it turned into Dirt Rally. And uh, now Dirt Rally 2.0 turned into EA Sports WRC, which they have the license for WRC now, and uh, they are utilizing it to their full potential. It's a so much better thing that that they had from the previous WRC people. It is um, 
Okay. It's a little mixed. People are pissed about it a bit, but it's really good. I spent a couple hours uh, for the past week doing it. And, uh, you know, they had, they, they adopted Unreal Engine 4.0, 4. Point something for it. Because uh, they originally had their Ego uh, engine that they used for all their previous stuff, whether it was Dirt 5, Dirt Rally 2.0. It was all kind of branches off of this main engine. But there were limitations to the engine. And they decided to adopt the Unreal engine and the four point whatever version it is. And uh, they had a little bit more flexibility. Well, in fact, a lot more flexibility and, uh, you know, kind of backing and software support and uh, plug-in support and all these other things. And they were able to make, you know, 34-kilometer stages in this. Uh, they were previously unable to do that with Ego. And uh, so visually, it's a step up from Dirt Rally 2.0, but not a huge step up. So uh, Dirt 5 came out with some basic ray tracing stuff that worked. It wasn't fantastic looking, but it was it was there. Uh, they totally wiped all that out. And so it's more of a, you know, kind of a, a standard 2018 through 2020 Unreal Engine uh, type uh, thing. But, you know, they, they've paid a lot of attention to the art, textures, lighting, stuff like that shader effects and uh they, uh, yeah they they put a lot into the actual physics of the product uh so stages are are huge they're long they're accurate they're, they're much better on asphalt than it was before with dirt rally 2.0 uh graphics good it's 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 a big step up and they're only asking 50 bucks for this there's no dlcs and they're not planning on any in fact in a couple of months they're going to give you some free stuff and so this is a uh it's a nice entry if you really enjoy rally racing um it feels better than dirt rally 2.0 across both gravel dirt and asphalt stages it's a big improvement across the board. Uh, they've really, you know, they they invested in the physics and uh, the modeling. So I, I have enjoyed it so far. Uh, it isn't the quantum leap that people were hoping, but it is a big step up. So, yeah, there are people who are mad about it because there are some technical issues. Um, they didn't do very good uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, shader compiling, uh, real time stuff. So you'd be driving down a, a stage and suddenly you get some choppiness because it's, it's doing the shader compiling in the background and, and it's not getting that stuff to your graphics card as soon as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, this latest patch that they've done solves a lot of that. So it should be a little bit smoother. Uh, and I, I expect, multiple improvements but overall i i would still get this for 50 bucks i i think it's it's a bargain for everything you get it's it's a huge game and really good and fun have you pulled out the cockpit again yeah i did i did in fact uh i i turned up some of the forces too high that it almost shook my my rim apart i had to take it out and take it apart 
and then uh, find out where it was starting to, to to loosen up, and I got everything tightened and back to where it should have been because uh, I've got a T eight one eight that I'm I'm still in the middle of reviewing, which is Thrustmaster's direct drive wheel ten nanometer uh, ten newton meter, and uh, yeah, it. I mean, my my kid who works out all the time, he sat down and did that, and he was screaming that his arms were killing him after after an extended rally. So it's a lot of fun stuff coming up. Get it. Join the uh, Josh Tech uh, uh, WRC club on RaceNet. Loctite, Josh. Loctite is your friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Jeremy. Jeremy, your pick. What? What your pick? Well, I mean, don't you love having to put in a USB drive three times? Because it doesn't the fit rule. the first time. It's the rule. It doesn't fit the th- second time. So, uh, PNY reached out recently uh, asking if I wanted a review sample of their brand new Elite X Type C USB 3.2 Gen 1 flash drive. How many times did it take you to put it in correctly? <laughs> None, because I don't have one yet. Oh, okay. I, I did say they could send one out. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to do a huge review of it, but I did say I'd definitely mention it on the podcast tonight. Look at because this price and the capacity. The price 20, is why I'm talking about this. For 256 yes. gigs of 200 megabytes per second? That you can only plug in the right way. There yeah, is no that's... wrong way. Well, I'm sure someone can find a wrong way to plug it in, but for the more reasonable ones that are watching here, you you could just plug it in and it's there and it goes. And they're not charging a ridiculous price for it like they have been on the other ones that have come out. Like this is wonderful. It's taken forever. When did USB C <laughs> come out? It wasn't months ago. It was years ago. But yet Anytime that you got want to get a USB type C USB drive, they charge you an arm and a bloody leg for the damn thing. So, Hey, this is brilliant to see that, you know, they're actually starting to release them at a decent rate. Uh, I mean, it's not 3.2 gen point gen two, but on the other hand, if you really need that speed for a USB drive, you should probably be investing in something a little different than a uh, thumb drive, but for throwing it in the pocket, this is brilliant. I'm really glad to it's see also, it. There isn't a lot of space for the DRAM controller in that little tiny uh, no. device. Yeah, the high performance. And there isn't a giant heat sink strapped on it either. Exactly. Heat. <laughs> well, as Alan has said, it's less of an issue for those. Uh, they can run hot. They do need to be so hot. likes to be yeah. warm. Yeah. It does. Well, the NAND does. That controller in the RAM doesn't, though. It's not a lot of room for circuits no but i mean if you're charging 10 cents a gig for a portable usb c i can't complain this is nice to see it's true brett your pick this week i've recently found myself in the market for yet another set of headphones this time with active noise canceling but i wanted something that would potentially do dual source decent bluetooth have backup aux reasonable battery life uh, and still sound good but we're over the ear so that it takes the pressure off off these just just similar to these so i didn't want to spend a fortune on them easy to spend five hundred dollars three three to five hundred dollars on these so this looked like an appealing 
uh, sort of middle ground. Uh, it's the Soundcore Anchor Space Q45 with adaptive active noise canceling. Very good reviews so far. $20 off on Amazon. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. List price they have on there is $149. So right now, $129 with all of those features. Bluetooth 5.3, backup uh, auxiliary cabling, um, reasonably comfortable um, based upon some of the reviews I've seen. Seems like a reasonable thing to give a try. High-res audio over Bluetooth if it's if it's available. Like I said, backup aux if you really need it. Let's do give these a try. Nice. Okay. So I'm going to give them a spin. I ordered a set. We'll see how they do. I wonder if these are based on previous-gen uh, Sony technology. Yeah, I looked at the Sonys, and honestly, the ear cups didn't really appeal the way that the Sonys are set up right now. I, I kind of like the look and feel of this. I'm very particular about how long I wear a set of headphones, and I like over the ear um, for long periods of time. And like I said, this is going to be my first set of really kind of more high-end outside of my Apple iPod Pros for ANC. Um, so I wanted to go with something Your that Apple sounded pretty reasonable. iPod based Pros. Those, if you strap sorry, my, iPods to your head, I imagine that would not be very comfortable for long listening <laughs> sessions. Not exactly what I meant, but all right. Well, uh, Sebastian, yes, you you claim to have a pick. I I do have a pick. Really? Okay. Behind me this week, uh, because I forgot to turn some of the other lights on. It's more evident that there's lighting behind the uh, desk here. You can see that kind of bluish green glow, and there's these actually wrap around the L-shaped desk that's uh, behind me, and. I wanted some kind of a light strip that was not something that I would have to adapt that originally belonged in a computer case or something that required a smartphone app to change colors. And even though uh, this one shows an image of an app and you can do more stuff with the app than you can with just the built-in controller, this is a simple light strip with a little controller built into it. You just plug into the wall and then you click the buttons until you like what color you see, and that's all you have to do. They come in a roll. This one uh, for $14.99 before a $5 coupon. So for $10, you get a 16.4 foot roll, which has an adhesive backing. So there's, you peel it off, stick it wherever you want. G-O-V-E-E-R-G-B-I-C LED strip lights is what this is uh, called. On Amazon.com, inexpensive, I guess. I mean, around $10 for a strip. And apparently, if you use their app, you can do individually addressable uh, lighting, like actual ARGB type effects. Not sure about that. It looks like they just give you a color target oh. to shoot for. Hey, at least it's got 3M backing on it. Yes, the, the backing is nice. It was uh, very easy to apply. And actually put it in the uh, shelves up here, too, which I don't have plugged in right now, but it creates an interesting kind of glow behind the game boxes. You can cut it to length. I should mention this. Every so many feet, there's, like, lines where you're just supposed to cut it. And it's disturbing that you just cut something that has... I mean, don't do it while it's plugged in. But I guess it... it uh, maybe, you know, do it while it's plugged in. You only live once. And then, yeah. All right, Kent, your pick. Well, since you're talking RGBs, um, we know our audience. We know they love to just throw the lighting in their computer cases. And, um, 
you know, the big problem with that is the wiring that comes with loading your case down with a bunch of RGB fans. You know, Lee and Lee came up with something, the Unifans, um, where you just link the fans together and everything connects. These are definitely not Lee and Lee Unifans. Don't confuse them, but these do connect. These are from uh, on Amazon. They're from a manufacturer called Asia Horse. No comments, Josh. Uh, they link together. They uh, have a when they link together. Do they make stormy weather. They do. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the lighting effect is nice. They're not the best fans in the world, but let's be honest. If you're wanting to put performance fans in your case, you're probably not putting RGB fans in your case. Um, you're putting something like the the Fantex T120s or the Noctua's or the Be Quiet. Um, but they perform decently. Um, and the nice thing about these is right now they're 48 for a three-pack. Um, there is a, a 10% off coupon right now on Amazon. The Lee and Lee fans that are the same way are about 80 bucks for a three-pack. Um, the new Corsair IQs uh, that do the same thing are 30 bucks per fan. So for much lower price, you're getting a fan that does the same thing. It's going to look really pretty in the case. Um, I actually have some that are here somewhere that I could not find, and I was going to uh, display them. Um, they're going in a build that I'm doing in a case I'm going to review once everybody in the household is healthy. So <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, that they're, they're they're well made. They seem to be uh, they seem to be decent fans. They're not going to be the best performance, but they're going to look really pretty, and they're going to give you some, you know, better methods of cable management than loading a case down with six or nine uh, RGB fans with uh, one PWM and one RGB cable per fan. So having one cable per three fans is going to be much easier. I love how, but they're when, not brown. When Company A is fighting with Company B over the design of fans like this, you know who knows who's right and who's wrong. That's up to the the courts to decide. But then the Asia <laughs> horse to the rescue, because then just forget it. Forget Liam Lee and Fantex. Asia horse. Making a are you saying Asian whores? Extremely similar product. I knew no. that's where you were no, going. He's no, he's not. Lee and Lee. No, he's talking about the youth in Asia. Oh, <laughs> I think it's time to end the show. Uh, oh, nobody has God. any objections. It is nearly midnight on the East Coast, and just want to thank everybody for listening, watching the video version. Uh, maybe you watch the video version, but don't listen because you use the uh, subtitles, which are auto-generated. Yeah. It's uh, pretty accurate. Oh, too. I bet you they'd be amazing pretty? to watch. Fairly. It's, it's it, I'd good. say it's better than you might think. Have you ever watched our podcast with the subtitles turned on? You know, no. AI gets better, better all the time. <laughs> and uh, that'll just about do it for us this week. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Good night. 
inexpensive, fairly well, and well reviewed, and have a pleasant tomorrow. And and I really appreciate that you guys keep inviting me back, even after all the negatives that I I throw into the cauldron that we call so much that we invite you is that you just show up every week. (laughs) 